I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Owl Pellets, welcome back as we continue our conversation once again, during this episode around mentorship, we have uh, really talked a lot about what is mentorship and how these things come together, and we're excited to kind of take it to the next level. Uh, so, Becky, kind of what's going to be framing our conversation this time around mentorship? I think broadly we're talking about mentoring behaviors. So that's entering the mentoring relationship. Um, but with that, we're also going to talk about some tools and some ways that we can really optimize that process. So it's not quite so ambiguous as far as how do I actually do this? And to be clear, we're talking more about formal mentoring relationships. I know we've talked before about these mentoring relationships. We didn't know they were going to be our mentor until we all of a sudden they were and they'd been there forever. (laughs) This we're talking a lot more about that situation where maybe I'm assigned a mentor or maybe I'm actively seeking out a mentor in a particular area. So we're going to set this mentoring relationship up differently than the sitting down at a picnic table and showing pictures of our families. And I think the other lens to for us to think about is, is those of us that might have either a state level or a district level role in coordinating, planning, facilitating mentorship across those areas. And, and as we talk about this, this starts to feel a little bit more formal perhaps than uh, what we've had uh, talked about previously. Yeah, so if you're just joining us here in Al Pellet's Nation, that's what we are, Alpellets Nation. Nation. I like it. We're growing. We've Only moved, national? We've moved from Alpellets Land to yes. Alpellets Nation. We are. We're expanding. Uh, we This is an ongoing conversation. We've had a series of, of podcasts and conversations around the idea of mentoring, all being guided by uh, the National Academy Press Report on mentoring. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to those those conversations, I encourage you to do so at some point so that you can be part of this larger conversation we're having around mentoring and the importance that it has in school-based agricultural education and with our teachers in state staff and university, I think everybody involved in um, agricultural education. So looking forward to this conversation as well. So as we talk about that and as we enter that conversation, we're also talking about really, first off, how do we enter mentoring? And really, what are those effective mentoring behaviors? Um, And those just outlined by the report are aligning expectations, assessing understanding, communicating effectively, addressing equity and inclusion, inclusion, fostering independence, and promoting professional development. And so that kind of sounds like a lot. (laughs) I mean, that's that's six competencies. And when we've talked about this, we've talked about the work of the relationship. We haven't really dug into a ton. What is the actual work of mentoring? And what is that actual work we do? And so that first one, aligning expectations, I think we, we touched on this a little bit as we started talking about identities, is, but this is really, how do we how do we make those expectations explicit and create a safe space for mentees to make their expectations explicit? So remembering that this is a relational partnership, it's expectations both ways. And going back, you know, we, we talked about this before. We've, we've all been parts or have heard of different mentoring type programs out there. At least in my experience of all those things that you mentioned, the only thing that we've probably ever really talked about, at least in my experience, has been the last one about, you know, this is a professional development opportunity. We're going to help you live out your first year <laughs> yeah. to do whatever else. Or we're going to, we're going to, you know, you're going to get better at this. 
And we haven't talked about any of the rest of those things, you know, and, and especially this idea about setting expectations and being explicit about it. Because, uh, you, know, you know, Mike, you said it there before, what ends up happening is if without setting the expectations, the only thing that happens is that we're both frustrated. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you, you say that so well, and that's, that's a, that should really guide us in how we, we set this first one, how we tee this thing up to have a positive mentoring relationship. So as we think about those expectations, then that next piece is kind of assessing understanding, which I hadn't really thought about till you were talking just now, as far as even just understanding that expectation and what that expectation actually involves. Because I think so often we give an expectation, but the way that it's executed does not align with what we thought we communicated that expectation to be. And so assessing that understanding, I think about even my own kids that not a mentoring relationship, (laughs) but even thinking about, you know, do you understand why this is happening? Yes. Why? Like, why is this happening? Tell me. Until I've assessed that understanding, (laughs) we haven't really gotten to make sure that like we're, we're really on the same page and have really done that alignment work. It's not just, I have told you what the expectation is, or I have communicated this to you. It's we've dug in a little beyond just like, here's the thing. Yeah, minimizing frustration and miscommunication. And, you know, throughout this season of podcasts, we've talked about communication um, quite, quite a bit and how that misalignment and we, we think we're doing what the other person expects. And yet the other person's disappointed and we're disappointed and, and things just don't align. And so I think um, not only aligning those expectations, but assessing those and, um, you know, some good practices, you know, listening skills. I think I heard you say, mm-hmm. uh, and, and using some of those skills that we've learned and, and practice over time. And so I think, th- think these are good uh, observations and good practices to take advantage of. So Mike, what I think I heard you say is that we need to communicate effectively. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the segue. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> but that is the next one. When we think about that communicating effectively, I think one of the things that's interesting in how it's framed in the report is it really talks about the mentor's communication and the mentor's engagement. And one of the things we've, we've talked before, probably just where I'm at in my career, I've had more opportunities to be the mentee. I was a little surprised that there wasn't more onus on the mentee in this one in terms of that communication piece. And I think something that came to mind is, as I was reading this, is a friend... Um, was was presenting somewhere else and was presenting to people they knew and was kind of lamenting like nobody really checked in like I was I was clearly frustrated about this thing or clearly just like not in a good place and no one no one checked in and I think sometimes we think we're communicating that more clear like we think we're being really obvious but it just looks like we're being quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> or it just looks like something like it, it might not even register that something's different. It doesn't mean they're not paying attention to you. It doesn't mean they don't care, but something's different. And I think some of even that communication, when we look at the psychosocial piece is like aligning that expectation. When we, how do you tell your mentor what's, what's up and what's going on when something's kind of blech? Well, it, it reminds me too of the communication at home. And so sometimes you got to figure out what that mentee or mentor needs when it comes to communication you just want to me to listen and hear you and yeah. and and give you a chance to blow off a little steam and 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 at least for me as a guy I need to know whether I need to go into problem solving mode right away 
or if I'm just <laughs> supposed to be listening. See Brian and Mike just look at each other like in yeah. the solidarity as husbands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you come in and you start start venting right away, and I'm I go into problem solving mode, and and sometimes that's not what you need. So being able to communicate and say, hey, I just need uh, someone to lean on. I need an ear to listen. And other times it's like, hey, I need help solving this problem. So it's like, do you want me to fix this or do you want me to pretend to care? <laughs> that's that's really what I need. Those are Brian's <laughs> words. <laughs> I'm cheesy, dear. <laughs> this is why she said she doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, she, she, doesn't, she doesn't listen anyway. I, it's fine. <laughs> On a more serious note. I don't think I've ever seen Becky speechless before. I just also have a husband at home. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know how much of, much of this time I should spend like really sympathizing with your wives <laughs> and what they have to put up with. <laughs> and, but also sympathizing with my husband, knowing what he has, like, I mean, what you're saying isn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we got this recorded. And they heard it. Yes. There you right. go. Um, I think some of it, though, too, when we think about that that relationship and that relationship building is kind of the other side of the of the what do you want me to do about this thing? There's when when you're in that relationship, you you want so badly to let somebody know maybe what's what's going on and want them to be part of that, but you don't know how to start. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's different in a mentoring relation. Like you come home to your spouse at the end of the day, and you're like. here's all the, I mean, you two don't, but I do. (laughs) Here's all the things and process that. I think a mentoring relationship, when we really specifically talk about that professional piece and again, in and around that career, how do I let someone know about some of this, the psychosocial piece because I care about them and want them to be part of that, but also just recognizing we are working around other things. Where's the space to be like, here's this really kind of crappy thing when we're trying to work on, we're trying to get something else done. <laughs> well, I, I think that's, again, sometimes the, the, the onus comes again back on the mentor to be looking for those clues. Because okay. I'm sure I'm not the only one that I've ever had a conversation with someone, you know, like I, I really want to have this deep conversation about things I'm struggling with, but for, my own ego and pride, I'm not willing to say, Hey, I want to have this conversation about these things that are bothering me. But I, I lay out these little hints of things that I hope, I hope you catch a hold of and start asking me about. So then I can, it's not me wanting to dump on you. It's like, well, you asked the question. So now I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> Got you the know. license to do it now. Well, yeah. and, and so I, and I think some of us is when you're in that role and, and not always the mentor to the senior to the junior person in the relationship, but, trying to know when you're trying to you know, pick up on those sort of things. Is the other person trying to give you these hints to say, I got this stuff going on. I'd really like to talk about it, but I'm either too proud, too much of an ego, or just, just scared to really have that conversation with, with you right now. But I also know I need to have that conversation. Will you please make me have that conversation? Yeah. So, talked about aligning expectations, assessing, understanding, communicating effectively. There's also this piece of addressing equity and inclusion and really kind of, this is 
they put, again, this is really kind of looking at the mentor entering the mentoring relationship. And so it's, this is, how do I assess my own biases? How do I really kind of think about the assumptions that I make about, about this relationship and what's going to be happening in this relationship? I think that's an important element to be self-reflective of our role and our responsibilities in, um, you know, the, the mentor not trying to create a develop a, a mini-me as much as being there to support and help the individual to grow as an individual and checking checking those biases, checking uh, where they're at in their own career and their own uh, processes to uh, better understand uh, where they're at and how they can support instead of um, it, it being all about the mentor, flipping that script and then it being all about the mentee. Mm-hmm. Well said. And I think with not developing that mini-me, you're not pushing for that mini-me. The next one is fostering that independence. So I'm not trying to create somebody who is just a copy of the, it's not a, it's not a create a copy of the mentor. It's how do we really make, help this person be their own, like we need this individual person to do the things that they're going to do. How do I support them in actually doing that? How do I foster them being separate from me? Yeah. Well, and being comfortable too to understand that um, if if you go to you know your mentor and you ask questions, you talk about a situation, and, and you get to this coaching conversation with with the mentor, and, you, and we've talked about this constellation of mentors, you mm-hmm. may get different advice, different coaching from different people, and then what happens to the one as you as you as you take all this in? That person has to be independent enough to kind of take all this advice in there and then run it through this lens of all the situation, information they know they have and as the situation change and, and then act. And sometimes you end up acting, not actually implementing the advice that you got from your mentor. And that mentor has to be okay with that, with the understanding, like, I get, we had this conversation, I shared openly and honestly, and they chose based on the situation. You have to give them that trust that, they made the best choice with what they had because there's probably maybe some more information came through or, or, or something to go in that you can't just get mad. Like, oh, by golly, I told them to do it this way and they didn't do it exactly the way I told them. Well, that's not mentoring and that's not coaching. Um, and so I, I think that's really, really important to have an understanding of. The last one then is also promoting professional developments. When we think about how do we set career, this is really getting to the career piece of the mentoring and the professional piece of the mentoring. So how do we set career goals, develop and refine plans, develop a professional network. And I think this piece really starts to get us to some of those mentoring tools. And how do we start actually getting a plan? I think, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, but mentoring being a little bit more on a trajectory than just a one-off here and there. And so when we think about how do I actually engage with intentionality, it's not just, all right, here are the six things. You're, you're set. Go mentor now. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're really having to probably spend even, I mean, a lot more time going, okay, here are these things. How, how do, how do I do this? How do I do this? And so there's several steps that we go through or, or different tools that we can certainly utilize. And one that they talk about is an individual development plan, an IDP. And so um, that really starts to kind of formalize that process. I think as we started this conversation, we were thinking about how do we really formally make this happen? 
and 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 having the 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 mentee sit down and establish some goals and and whether it's career goals or trying to formulate a pa- uh, a path for moving forward uh, around their career interests and their own professional development and, and other aspects of, of their life and their career. I think that gives them a great opportunity to, to um, put that on paper, um, process that a little bit, reflect on it, but it's also a tool to communicate that back to the, the mentor to provide a little bit of, of guidance and direction from all of that. And, and, you know, I've been able to do this in a couple of, of different programs that we work with. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about this. This provides such a safe way to ask questions that you might be afraid to ask looking the person in the eye. And you can really have that time to be thoughtful and, and responsive about some of the questions to say, okay, what, what really are my goals? And then why, why is this a goal? Why, why do I want to achieve this particular thing? And then it, it really helps provide a safe space for a conversation to say, okay, if you're designing this program, if you're putting together a mentoring program for teachers, you give them not just a list of questions to talk about, but said here, be thoughtful about this and then kind of guide that discussion that we might not get to on our own. If we didn't have a little bit of prodding around a professional development plan or whatever you want to call it. It's a great, I think this is a, Anyone who's who's organizing or in charge of coordinating a, a mentorship program or any type, really take a look at at this and being able to develop this this plan to really guide these conversations. I think you'll find it to be very helpful, and those in the program will as well. Okay. And to that point, not surprising, the research would say that it leads to greater satisfaction. So mm-hmm. when you put these into place, uh, you implement them well. As Brian provided a few examples, it, it's going to lead to a better experience for everybody involved. I think even when we think about each of these individual tools, also going back to what does this tool actually do relative to entering that mentoring relationship? And this is one that does all the things in terms of aligning expectations and assessing understanding and kind of all down that list of six. But I think one of the things is Brian was talking that I thought about it also gives, it, it makes room in that, especially in that formal mentoring relationship to say, you know what, you've got, these goals and these ways you want to develop. And I could help you with this, but I'm not the best person for your trajectory. If it's that more formal kind of contrived setting and it makes some space for that to be okay. And I think quite often we go into this and we say, it's totally fine if you go find somebody else's, but like navigating that, like no one wants to go and be like, I don't actually want to be your mentee anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think some of this is like a really bad breakup, (laughs) (laughs) but, but these types of tools also foster independence because they Mm -hmm. foster a communication that lets you say, Hey, you're going this direction. I am all for that, but I might not be the best person to help you get to where you want to be. The next one is uh, mentorship compacts. And, and I really appreciate this terminology because one in education and certainly within independent studies that I will work with students on, a lot of times I develop a, a learning contract or ask the students to develop a contract around this learning. And And I don't think contract's the right word here, but if we really look, and, and we're probably splitting hairs, but think about the word compact, we're really developing a level of understanding, a level of appreciation for one another in this role of that mentor-mentee, and certainly really uh, provides a lot of help. And, and that compact is just that. It it's structured to help outline some expectations 
commitments um, and, and, and whatever those plans are um, for both the mentor and the mentee. And so certainly sets the stage up for being successful again because we're putting on paper, we're having um, specific intentional conversations around this idea of, of what our expectations and, how, and the role that we can play in all of that. I think one of the really powerful things with that with that compact and the way that they talk about it is that the compact is with the mentor mentee, but that it really makes room for somebody to help you repair that relationship. So it's not a, we have this compact, we're not aligning, we're done. It's, we have this compact and this relationship is worth like, mm-hmm. there's for on, on both sides, this relationship is worth it. And I think they talk about an ombudsperson, but really ultimately somebody who can be impartial to the situation and help repair that. And I think that gets a little bit lost in how we, how we operate mm-hmm. that, that it's worth taking that time to say, no, I, I want to have, we set this for, for a reason. This is where we want to be. Let's really work together and get there. Absolutely. Well, this has been, uh, again, a, another great conversation from there. I mean, yeah, it's a great conversation that we should keep going and finish. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. What's the next one? Well, we, 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 let, let's unpack two more real quickly, okay. and, I, and I think they you will be quick. look like it's yeah. time to go. I'm like, no. all right. It was, it was this look like, don't you have your report open so you can tell the next one, Brian? <laughs> I have a notepad. So the, ne- the next one to help uh, bail my friend out is uh, mentoring maps. Um, and, and mentoring maps, again, a good analogy of sitting down and thinking intentionally about um, – academic and career goals, sources of support, um, and areas where unmet needs could be met and, and uh, where student, students, faculty, those mentees could really uh, benefit from that mentoring. And so it's kind of laying out on paper and, and visualizing where that professional development and, and that support's going to come from. And that, the mentoring map, I think, is really a helpful tool for the mentee in terms of that self-reflection about what are these different, what are the, these different roles people fill in my life? The National Center for Faculty Diversity and Development does, has, has this all mm-hmm. mapped out and has a template for this. So you can kind of go through and really think about, all right, who are my sponsors? Who, who do I turn to for this? Who do I turn to for this as I think about where I'm headed and what's next and where I'm going? And I think taking that time to write it out similarly to anything we want to bring intentionality to putting it on paper really helps us get to this point of saying okay there it is like that's the plan that's the thing i can share this with somebody there's some accountability i can move this move this forward and so even having that mentoring map for yourself to be able to say this is who i go to (laughs) this is my person for this well the thing that excites me a lot about this one is that it it really makes the person become Make be in control of their professional development. So often, consciously, subconsciously, ag teachers turn over their professional development to a state organization or to whatever. Because like, I'm going to show up to the conference and do whatever's there. This goes through and says, where where are my gaps? How do I build this certain thing in there so that I might get that state ag teachers conference, or maybe I need to go to this other conference, this other this other place to go get, fill some information and, and really take control and take charge of my professional development. I, I, I think those are both great comments. And I really like Becky's 
um, example of really having someone kind of develop that out, but also having an organization or, or someone that has kind of a skeleton built already. And so, yes, an individual can sit down and, and create their own plan and their own map, um, but there are some commonalities across all of us that we could reach out and look. And, 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 and so that, I think, helps us kind of transition into the last one, which is uh, mentoring plans. And I know we can, we, again, we can individualize those and talk about mentoring plans from an individual standpoint, but I also think this is where our organizational leaders and people that are in charge of, of statewide, district-wide mentoring um, uh, activities can really develop a more robust um, experience and help prepare that as, uh, through developing uh, and having a mentoring plan in place. I think while that plan brings that all together, one of the things that we haven't talked about a ton with using these different tools and entering that mentoring relationship is that this probably takes some prep for our mentors mm -hmm. and getting our mentors ready to use these things and guide this process. Um, so if I think about my, if I think about my own relationships with mentors or mentees, there have maybe been some components of this, but but not not to what I probably needed, especially as a mentor to be able to, to work, to help somebody work through this process and work through it well to really get to those six key ideas. Um, and so I think when they talk through, when the report talks through these different pieces, there's also this piece about mentoring education and what does that really need to involve? And so when we think about coordinating mentoring opportunities, thinking about not just where are we providing the instruction? So how do I use the tool, but also do we give opportunities to practice? Are we, <laughs> are we giving feedback? Are we self-reflecting? Are we being intentional? Oh my goodness, this sounds like student teaching all over mm -hmm. again, but for mentoring. <laughs> <laughs> but there is then, I think this, this series really kind of brings to light just how much it re is, is really there in a mentoring relationship. It's not something that we can just say, you're tired, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, co-pilot, it's time to land the plane. <laughs> time to land the plane. <laughs> I'm thinking about practicing mentorness. Like, here's this person. They're practicing mentorness. Mentorness. <laughs> mentorness. I'm making up words now. Practicing mentoring is like, here's this person. We're like, we're not really sure. Go practice mentoring on them. If you break them, yeah, who really cares? <laughs> we 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 want to make sure you're a good mentor for the real ones down the road. I mean, it's the same with students, though. Like, True. go go practice that. Hopefully, you don't mess up their future too bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just learning. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. They bounce. They're okay. They bounce. They're always successful in spite of us. Yeah. That's right. That, that, Thank goodness. <laughs> that is true. All right, y'all. Well, again, another great conversation around mentoring. And again, uh, we're hoping to hit the high points on this, really trying to figure out how we apply this National, Academy, National Academy's report on mentoring. Uh, to our own context and working with ag teachers um, and our students in a variety of ways, whether that be at the high school, middle school, or the collegiate level. Thank you all for joining us for this. We look forward to continuing the conversation on social media. Be sure to share your thoughts and reach out and tell us uh, what you've learned about mentoring. Maybe if you've got a really good mentoring program going on in your state or your school or you got some ideas for it, let us know. We would love to learn more about what you're doing and keep the conversation going here on Al Pellet's Tips for Ag Teachers podcast.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.